Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to the Muslim Matters Podcast, where we discuss everything under the sun that affects Muslims, such as faith, local and global politics, social media, sex education, civil rights, and family matters, all coming from a traditional Orthodox perspective. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us online on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram on our handle, Muslim Matters. And check out our site daily at muslimmatters.org. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and welcome to the Muslim Matters Podcast. I am your host, Zainab bint Yunus, and I'm joined by my co-host, Irtaza Hassan, for a particularly relevant topic, what Muslim families are to do during the summer holidays. The summer holidays are in full swing in North America, both America and Canada, and most parents are sharing the same conundrum. How do we keep our kids busy with so much free time? So it's, I think you're the perfect person to talk to about this because, you know, I just have one kid and she's in public school. Now she's got like two months vacation time. I know that you, mashallah, and Saira, your wife, have been unschooling your kids and mashallah, you've got a wide variety of ages with your kids. So I'm really interested in your perspective on this and what we can spitball in terms of this whole discussion about summer vacation, challenges that Muslim parents are facing, all that good stuff. Well, assalamu alaikum. Thank you uh, for that, Zainab. I'm, I'm really excited about this topic, especially um, while we're kind of dealing with a record heat wave down in Texas. So very pertinent, relevant topic. So first question, I guess, or the first topic that I'd like to hear from you on is, what do you think the biggest challenges faced by Muslim parents during summer vacation time are? I think the obvious for average families where one person, one parent is working full time outside the home, uh, then you've got another parent who's at home with the kids and the kids are all off from school and there's just all this free time. Like, What do you do with it? What are the what are the biggest issues that you think a lot of Muslim parents are dealing with and just trying to handle summer vacation? I think you hit it on the dot. I was looking earlier in the day at the agenda and just thinking about this first question. And I think one of the things really is that f the free time and the abundance of free time that you get in the summer is it can be such a blessing, but can also be such a challenge and trial. And if you just look at that, I just think of families I know. And there, there could be some elements here of some privilege or, or, you know, how you live. But I know those families who, when the summer comes, they're like, hey, time off. Let's go for Umrah. Let's go. If we have ties to a Muslim country or an overseas country, let's go spend time there. Let's go visit some extended family. I know other families who are like, uh, you know, I, maybe we can't do the overseas trips. Let's put our kids in one of the HIF programs if the local masjid offers it or in an Islamic studies summer camp. And nowadays, by the way, you have an abundance of online camps where people might not have something going on in their locality, but they can follow. The problem is that uh, some families and, and every family wants what's good for their children. They either don't have the tools or or the schedule or the discipline to or to take advantage of some of these things. And then and then that free time can really become a challenge and a trial. I do see Muslim youth just like the broader American Canadian youth or whatever country our listeners may be from, too much free time that is not structured, that is not guided by keeping busy with good deeds and, and, and good works can sometimes open the door for, for people to do activities and things that probably, you know, they shouldn't be doing with their time or and even falling into things, obviously, that, that could be, uh, you know, haram or, or, or even unsafe. So I think that's the thing. How do you use that free time that you get in the summer? 
Yeah, I would say the lack of a structured schedule is like a really huge challenge for a lot of parents because we kind of fall back, especially if our kids are in public school, as mine is, you kind of fall back on knowing that you have like every day you get up at this time, they got to be out the door at this time, then they're busy at school, then they come back home and either you're doing, you know, your daily evening routine or they're they've got extracurriculars, right? So everybody is already busy with certain set things that they're involved in. And now when they're home from school, there's the temptation to just, you know, sleep in every single day, um, not have much structure, not do a whole lot of stuff. And then, you know, what, and, and before you know it, two months have gone by and they've spent it all on screens or just bumming around outside and getting up to shenanigans that they probably shouldn't. And then, you know, there's other challenges too. Uh, right now, we just saw, you know, what was it? June was Pride Month, but in Canada now it's referred to as Pride Season because it just it just keeps going. And so that's like a unique challenge that we are having to deal with now as Muslim parents. What do you, what input do you have on that? Because I think it's really important for, a lot of parents are just so confused about how they should approach this discussion, whether they just limit it the time that it's happening or... But now, like I said, it's Pride season, the flags are still up, the marches are still going on, the parades, there's all these events, at least there are my end of the country. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You know, and I'll say this, I'm not obviously, we're not necessarily maybe saying this as a parenting expert or, or for sure as some sort of scholar, but I feel that there's so many crazy things that have been introduced into the world now that we sometimes, it's kind of shifted the goalpost for even how we socialize our kids and I'll give you an example. There's things where even Muslim kids in the public schools or even Islamic schools have been exposed to. And then sometimes they may adopt, uh, you know, behaviors that you're like, wait, I don't necessarily want my kid to um, get impacted or influenced by that. So if there are kids that maybe have certain behaviors, but I talk to my wife about this sometimes, like she'll say, hey, I, I know there's a couple of kids, they're pretty foul mouthed, you know, they use certain language or even while they're playing basketball, they're using the F word. And she, she said, you know, I can tell because our younger son will come home and say, hey, this happened. And I'll say, look, obviously that's a problem and we should talk to the kids about appropriate language, appropriate manners. But I said, if there's certain gatherings where at least they're still around Muslim kids and, and, and the language is in the game, but the kids will still go in and pray when it's Dohar time or Usher time. And they'll, generally, they'll, they'll, there still will be some uh, Muslim friendship and brotherhood. Obviously, there's some behaviors that, that, that you would frown upon. But where I'm going with this is because there's so much other craziness. Like I literally have to tell my kids, hey, xyz type of tv shows or movies you can't really watch or uh, this uh, we're going to go to the mall but maybe uh we're only going to get off and and get something really quickly we're not going to go to the food court because in the food court there's a display or like a a parade or something happening for for pride or, or lgbt or there's like a trans speaker or something like that and so i feel that there's just so many things there's definitely the pride where you, even my my 10 year old last year asked me like baba why are there so many rainbow flags? What does it mean? Like these kids see it, you know, and I wasn't ready for the conversation with my 10 year old, but I forced myself to have, obviously his mom, you know, my wife, Sarah jumped in and, and helped explain to him it, at the level of a 10 year old, obviously with the, my older kids, we were able to have a, you know, much more substantive conversation. But then the other thing is, you know, like you said, summertime people, you know, they head to the beach, they head to outdoors. Recently, I know several Muslim families or kids that graduated, some going off to college. So definitely a happy moment. And these are pretty traditional, pretty conservatively practicing families. And so they decided to do, uh, you know, like a potluck or a picnic at the beach. And we, we went out. Now, these families, obviously being, you know, a little more on the traditional conservative side, they picked a more private part of the beach. Not many families there. Definitely you wouldn't see folks in, in undress and stuff like that. 
But I know many people maybe wouldn't think for that, or they might just go to the public beach, or they might just go to public places. And and it is important, even in the summer. I know it's hot. I know you know certain things are just culturally accepted. We have to you know protect our gaze, our eyes, and definitely our children's eyes as as, as well, because those things impact differently. So I feel like there's just so many things out there, you know. And I, I my family loves the water. They love the beach. They love being outdoor. But alhamdulillah, always when we try to travel, we try to find, uh, I, I remember some of our teachers actually back in the day at Al-Maghrib Institute and, and some of the imams as well, they used to tell us, you can find parts of the beach that are more secluded. You can find parts of the beach where there aren't people. You know, if, if there's a really busy part, drive a couple miles. If it's still busy, drive a couple more miles and or go in a part of the day where there's less people. You, If it really matters to you, you can find that quieter beach, you can find less people, or you can find maybe people dressed a little more appropriately. So because even in the beach, there's family areas and then there's more like young couples or frats or stuff like that. Like you can, you can use your judgment to see what's an appropriate area. So I think these are great questions. I think this is something like all those parents are kind of in the same boat where, you know, we want to do what's best for our kids. Right. I'm really glad you brought up the bit about, you know, going to the beach and being mindful about where we choose to go. And especially for those of us who have tweens and teens, I think it's also really important for us that we have the direct conversations about why we're doing these things, why we're not going to certain areas or we're choosing more remote areas or why we might not be going out and about as much as other people do. Like their friends might be going out like every day or every other day, depending on where you are. Like, for example, I live on an island, so there's the beach everywhere and people are always going to the beach in the summer. And so having that Again, just having those discussions and being on top of things, I think it's really important for us as parents to remember that summer vacation doesn't mean a summer vacation from parenting. If anything, we have to be even more invested and even more aware and even more prepared because like we said about having all this extra free time, how are we going to use it? Like, yes, obviously let the kids be able to have some time to relax and have fun and whatever, but too much of it is going to lead to negative outcomes. It's going to lead to time being wasted in unhealthy ways, if not outright, you know, slipping into haram ways. And with regards to that too, then what is, or what should be the parental priorities for kids in the summer? That's another thing that comes up because sometimes you have parents who want to make their sum- the kids' summers as busy as possible so there is no free time. Uh, and you have, as you said, mashallah, there are families who can afford to go back home who can afford to go for Umrah, who can afford like super duper extracurricular activities. And there's an activity for every hour of the day. And then you have families that that just can't. So for those that don't have the financial flexibility to do these other things, what are some options that these families can look to and engage in for keeping their kids busy? And before even examining the options, like what should the parental priorities be? I think that's a really important place to start. So very interestingly, in, in Houston, we have a couple of groups. One uh, recently started called the the Fathers Collective, and which is a group of fathers. It's led by Brother uh, Fezan Majid, a, a counselor who actually is a, is a podcast guest on Muslim Matters. And there's some other uh, fathers' efforts as well. I'm just sharing what I've seen in, in my city, where one of the things the fathers say is, look, everyone will have different levels of uh, practice and relig- religiosity for their children, for their families. But one thing at a bare minimum it's good to socialize your children with other Muslims, especially Muslims who are generally from the mainstream, not fringe in their behaviors, not very strange in their behaviors or doing things that are considered fringe to the mainstream Muslim community. And I'm saying community of practice. So 
you know, I look at these hot months coming up, especially in the South, living in the Southern U.S., or if you're living in the Caribbean, where you see young people, mashallah, going to school, they're fasting in Ramadan. And then after that, I see these youth groups who are reminding people to fast in Shawwal, fast in Zulhijjah, like amazing. But not everybody maybe is at that level. Not everybody may be ready for that. So one thing I see a lot in the summer, alhamdulillah, is some of the even masajid or the community centers, they'll have people come out and do soccer and basketball. And then between Maghrib and Isha, so people come and pray Maghrib, they'll go outside, play basketball, play soccer, uh, or they'll have it for sisters, maybe indoor. They'll have days where the sisters have the facility. Now, I know not every masjid has a soccer field and not every masjid maybe has basketball court. But what I'm trying to share, there are a lot of things you can do that are low budget or no budget. I know right now everybody's dealing with inflation and all these costs. Not not everybody's going to can go out to a fancy place every weekend or or maybe take a road trip all the time. But sometimes you can just meet a group of friends and and have some chai and, and just have some chat. And I'd say one thing to your question, what are the parental priorities? One thing we try to do with our older kids, the teenagers, even less than the religion, because alhamdulillah, like a lot of those things that we started learning in their younger years are six, seven, eight, nine. We try to focus on their emotional and mental health because we know that kids in this age, when they get into that 14, 15, 16, there's so many pressures. Sometimes the parents don't always even know what's going on in their mind. It could be peer pressure situations. It could be self-esteem issues. So sometimes we'll just sit and say, hey, is there something you want to talk about? And obviously, they'll always say, no, we're fine. So then we try to ask more open-ended questions or, or maybe more direct questions just to engage some conversation and to let them know that no subject is taboo. Uh, you know, obviously, within a healthy sort of platform, you know, we could talk about just about anything. Some things they may prefer to talk to their mother about. And some things, they, to be honest, they prefer to talk to me about. My There's things my daughter and son will come to me about first before their mother. And there's other things, probably the majority of things, they'll probably go to their mother first and then and then maybe come to me. So I, th- I think that's also a priority besides the ibada is just checking in with the kids. You know, how are you doing? What's going on in your mind? How's, how's everything been? And um, I think these are just some things in the summertime we can take advantage of. I really like that point about investing in your kids' emotional and mental health during the summer. I think that's not something that uh, I or many other people would necessarily think about in terms of, oh, what are we doing this summer? So that's a really great point that you brought up. I really appreciate that. Can you give a little example of beyond just you know asking the open-ended questions, or maybe if you feel comfortable sharing, what one of those questions would look like and how typically such a conversation would come up? You know, a lot of Muslim families still feel awkward speaking openly about things like that or might feel uncomfortable. What is your suggestion how this can be broached? So what we did recently is, alhamdulillah, with my kids, I'll give an example, maybe more with my daughter. I had read an article and I know, uh, you know, obviously from the Muslim Matters team, probably Siraj would be very familiar with this as well. But it said that some of the images that are on Instagram and Twitter, and and I'm actually not on Instagram or Twitter. I'm I'm more old school. I only have Facebook. But that these have really harmful impact in terms of self-esteem of young girls, especially in the West. I told my wife one day, I said, I really want to bring this up with our daughter because there's been stories you see sometimes in the press about, you know, girls being depressed or even trying to harm themselves or, you know, we know some of the eating disorders, et cetera. So then we just talked to her in general and our, our daughters never raised this, but we, we talked to her about, and you know, most of her friends happen to be from the community where they wear hijab or dress quite conservatively. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that as a, you know, look, my kids are great. Just as a, as a, as a statement of fact. 
I talked to her about it that, look, you're now a young teenager, 14, 15. And I said, look, certain type of girls are going to get more attention from guys. And, you know, that's going to make people feel good. And I said, and certain type of girls probably are not. And then we talked about what is good attention versus bad attention. We talked about concepts of beauty. We talked about, and and I, for me, it was awkward at first, but then I was like, I think once we started talking, it was, and the fact that she engaged back and we were like, you know, what do you think about some of these topics? What do you think about, you know, we talked about how South Asians, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, there's this huge 40, 50 year push about whiteness and these creams that have the chemicals in them and, you know, and all this. So the discussion wound up going on all these tangents, but it was pretty wonderful because it was like, I think it wound up being good for her. She appreciated it. I know it was good for me because I, I felt protective, especially once I learned how the social media was really hitting girls. Uh, and I'm sure it impacts boys as well. But it, the articles had focused more on, on daughters. And then my, my wife as well was, I think, appreciative. And she obviously, she she almost took more of a role as a, as a moderator or kind of chiming in. And it was really a chance for our daughter as well to tell her, you know, how she sees this. Like, you know, as she's getting older, you're going to see, you know, you might be at an event where some girls are dressed a little more, let's say not as strict, or they're they're showing a little bit more, they're dressed a little more, you know, let's say more loose in their in their clothing, and they're gonna get the attention from the guys, or they're gonna get the double looks, or they're gonna get the people asking them what their name is or where they're from. And that sometimes I'm sure impacts girls who wear strict hijab or strict jilbab or whatever. So it was just meant to be like a safe conversation. And I do stuff like that with my sons as well. You know, we'll we'll talk a lot about inappropriate imagery, sometimes things you may may see by mistake even. And then also I talked about inappropriate jokes that go too far. Like sometimes when there's just guys around and then certain jokes, you know, they may they may have an impact on, on your mentality, like the whole locker room banter. And I, I told my son, I said, look, for sure there's jokes you'll make when your parents and, uh, you know, other people aren't around that, that where you're pushing the envelope a little bit. I was like, probably all guys do that. But we still have to remember like our, our Islam and, you know, certain lines you don't cross and certain. And so we'll try to have these safe space conversations and then and then just bring up generally like, how are you doing? And then you might find out that they have a friend that they've had a little bit of a beef with or you find out, hey, there, there's something that happened recently they're not happy about. And so just try to kind of give them a conversation to, you know, where they can they can kind of just, you know, kind of say whatever they want and just kind of go with it. Those are some great examples. I really appreciate you sharing this because it gives more insight into how these conversations can start. And I'm glad you owned that, you know, it was a little uncomfortable in the beginning or awkward in the beginning. But then when everybody's engaged, it becomes more normal. It becomes something that parents and children alike can can bond over even and figuring out what's really going on. Because sometimes we as parents might think, oh, this is what my kid's going through, or this is the the biggest issue of the day, but actually it might be something completely different, right? And you brought up social media, which is constantly relevant, and especially in the summer. I think it's really important for Muslim parents to be aware of what's trending because kids, again, now have more free time. They're on the internet more. They're on, uh, on TikTok and Instagram uh, and whatever else there might be. <laughs> I don't think there's anything newer than TikTok right now. That's definitely a, a huge one still going on. And trends come and go really fast. And sometimes they're harmless and sometimes they're actually quite toxic and have a lot of negative influence and impact on kids and the way they're processing the world around them and the way they operate on the internet. And you mentioned, obviously, like the the most blatant example of girls being impacted by things like TikTok and Instagram. But yeah, as you mentioned, like boys are as well. And 
do you have maybe an example of boys in social media or boys in internet use? That's something that parents should keep an eye out for. SubhanAllah, this is a great point you mentioned. I know I realize sometimes a show, there, there may be a few days or if not a few weeks before they go into production. But right now, just talking here on in early July, my sons being from Houston are big, you know, they follow the sports teams in Houston. So they're basketball fans, you know, and and so with the Houston Rockets right now, one of their players, who's, a, who's probably the star player, young guy, and, you know, a lot of times my sons will like to see his latest play or, you know, highlights. And obviously right now is the off season, but they'll, even in the off season, they'll go and they'll, they'll watch a YouTube video, or especially preparing for the new season, kind of what he's done or what he's doing. So there's a video that was leaked recently, or it's come out recently, where he essentially, um, the player for the Rockets is engaged in, he's fully clothed. And one of his teammates is also fully clothed, but they're essentially engaged in a, or they're they're essentially simulating like a, like a sexual act on one another. So it would be a homosexual sexual act on one another, and it's it's pretty blatant. It goes on for a while, and I and I believe there's two videos. So a lot of dads, you know, they talked about it. They're like, hey man, this video's out there, and you know, how are we going to keep our kids from watching it? Because literally, especially if you're local. And there's a famous athlete. Think about soccer. Think about football. Think about any sport. Famous athlete everybody loves. And so I actually, you know, with the teenagers, I my older kids, I just told them, hey, there's a disturbing video. Avoid it. You might see it forwarded to you. No need to click on it. It's basically, you know, something obviously egregious, something inappropriate behavior. With my younger son, I had to sit and talk to him a little bit more because his first question, especially when you're 10, is why? And I was like, you know, like, why would he do that? If it's inappropriate, why? And I said, well, you know, some people, and yeah, but if it's bad, why did he do it? And then I was like, look, I don't have all the answers for everything. And supposedly he was a little younger. I mean, this, this superstar player is only 20, 21. So if the video is a couple of years old. He might've been 18, 19 or, or whatever. And I don't have all those facts about his age, but what I was telling my younger son, whatever it is, you have to protect your eyes and I said, so I said, for the next couple of weeks or month, if you want to watch highlights, if you want to watch something, come to me or your mama, we'll enter the highlight. We'll give you, so I said, I don't want you to stumble by mistake. And then my son even said, but Baba, I never look at bad stuff. I said, no, I know. I know you would never look for it. But I said, look, you could stumble by mistake because you might click on a YouTube link and not know that it's that. So I said, just just be aware. So with my <laughs> younger son, it's interesting. It was actually more of a conversation, whereas with the the twins who are 15 and going into 16 next, I was like, look, guys, it's just a stupid video, horrible behavior, uh, completely inappropriate, and just something not to waste your time with. So that's one thing I can think of. But in general, I love that you included this as an item. So because in summer, there's so much free time. And look, I love and respect all parents. I know people listening to our show, they work so hard. Sometimes parents need a break too. You know, I know mom or dad want to sleep in on the weekend. They want to get a nap after her. So sometimes you have your young kid and you're like, hey, you know, just be on the be on the iPhone or be on the, the iPad, get on the TV, watch Netflix for kids or whatever. But if screen time is not carefully monitored with some sort of tools or some sort of parameters, even the, the most innocent kid, even the, the family that maybe thinks they're so careful, you can always stumble upon stuff. So it's, it's not telling people not, not to ever give their kids gadgets. You know, I, I don't think that's realistic probably, but we definitely have to educate ourselves, definitely have to be careful. At, do we have any sort of controls? Do we have any sort of features that can, can minimize or, or cut off uh, inappropriate stuff, especially for our younger kids where it's just really harmful? So 
Yeah, it's 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 interesting you asked that question because it just happened this week. Yeah, and then in the absence of screens, the a lot of people will say like, oh, well, without screens, what are they going to do? And I find that to be a funny question to me because I grew up homeschooled and screen-free um, up until I was a teenager. So my summers and my free time in general was expected to be filled up with other things. So outside of doing Islamic studies or Quran or whatever, yes, I had free time. What could I do? And this is where... I find that people tend to underestimate the the role of just wholesome activities. So whether it's something like a reading a summer reading club and a lot of public libraries have these, which is great. And I really encourage for communities that have a big enough community to to facilitate that in your masjid have a summer reading program. You know, like kids read, I don't know, like X number of books and they get a free pizza. You know, things like that were that were the staple of my childhood will still have allure for kids today if the parents are firm on maintaining those boundaries about things like very limited screen time. Playing sports, as you mentioned, and even crafts, which is something that was like again, pretty common when I was younger. And I find that in some circles, it's still going on. Um, but your average teenager is going to be like, oh my God, that's so cheesy or that's so corny, right? But these are halal options and wholesome options to keep themselves busy that are outlets for creativity. You know, there's so many things. If you just look up age-appropriate crafts. There's so many options of just household items that don't cost a whole lot. For older kids who might have their own spending money, for teenagers, whatever, encourage them to invest in some kind of art, some kind of craft, some kind of physical activity, uh, just going outside and playing. Um, but even this, unfortunately, we do have to be careful with, as you mentioned, the kind of company they're keeping when they're doing that, because you don't want them to end up with the wrong kinds of kids and being negatively influenced. But I just wanted to throw that out there because so many Muslim parents, and maybe it's primarily in my community, I don't know, but a lot of immigrant refugee backgrounds, and they kind of just throw a screen at their kids and think that'll keep them busy, and they're not necessarily aware of the dangers of those screens. And then when those screens are put aside, it's just a lot of, oh, I'm bored. What do I do now? I'm bored. And then there's like unrestricted time away and, you know, completely no supervision. And again, like we know the pitfalls of that. So yeah, I just wanted to throw out there that there's a lot of wholesome activities that are not digital, uh, that are not expensive, and that your kid can very easily pick up on uh, if we just kind of direct them and, and tell them, go keep yourself busy with this for a while. I totally love what you said and about age-appropriate things. You know, another thing I'll tell you is in the summer, I know a lot of people socialize, including the elders. And sometimes some of the brothers have a mentality like, oh, you know, Saturday I'll take the kids out to give my wife a break sort of thing. And I can appreciate that. I, I get that whole thing. But I'll tell you, I, I was talking to actually just today to a friend, one of my friends, Atik, and we were talking about how still a lot of dads, you know, when they go socializing somewhere, where it's, say just a brother's thing, they don't bring their kids. Whereas like... You know, my wife, Syra, when she goes out to meet some of her friends for a coffee or a brunch, she'll take the kids. I will say, and I'm definitely not the perfect dad. I can always improve things. One thing I do, I all, almost always will take my kids or I'll ask the other dads, hey, man, is anyone bringing kids? And I'll I'll tell you, any listeners, list, any fathers listening, it, number one, it lets my, my kids, especially my sons, be around other strong, good Muslim men and they see people talking. But the other thing is, Look, we don't always have to inundate ourselves with horrible news and horrible things happening in the world. But let's be honest, there are a lot of things going on. 
I like my sons to see Muslims talking together about it. So whether it's right now what's happening in France with young Nahil who was murdered or whether it's even navigating differences. When the statement came out, my older son, who's in high, in high school, we talked about why a lot of Muslims today, especially in Canada and the U.S., are progressive and opposed the statement. And then you know, my son asked, but why would Muslims oppose a statement that three or 400 imams, you know, consensus agree on? And so it led to questions. And so I was going to say this mentality that, you know, let, let me give my wife a two-hour break. Fine, that's great. But it should be more than that. Like the same way a mother wouldn't think twice about taking her kids. And I think sometimes it's healthy. Like if you're getting together with eight, nine, ten guys at a coffee shop or something, ask a couple of them. Say, hey, man, does anyone have younger kids or teens? If you're bringing your kids, I'll bring mine. And that way your kids also make new Muslim friends. They meet people. They can sit at a table right next to you uh, or they can sit at your same table. I've seen a lot of benefit in that sort of socializing. I personally don't really, I know there's a big thing about hookah and shisha bars. I don't do that. Firstly, the smoke gives me a headache. Secondly, I don't, I don't smoke shisha or hookah, but outside of those places, you know, a coffee shop, going to a a restaurant, going and meeting up at a park, uh, and frankly, going even and meeting at the masjid and just hanging out. I think it's always a good time for dads to include their kids and ask their other friends too. Hey man, bring your kids and I'll bring mine and they can, they can hang out while we're talking or catching up. That's great. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's part and parcel of the whole, like both parents being involved in this and that unique angle of providing your sons with good Muslim models to observe just in an organic way. I think that's really great. That's really fantastic. And summer really is a great opportunity to do that. And there's just one final kind of point on my end anyways, that I think is important to talk about or, you know, kind of bounces between ourselves and and the listeners, which is, you know, parents are extra busy in the summer in a lot of ways, right? Because the kids are, they're home from school, the parents are trying to keep them busy. If there's a stay at home parent, usually the mom, you know, there's like extra food to be made, there's extra chores to be done, because the kids are home, and there's more of a mess, and there's all the stuff to do. And, you know, the dads are going to be busy as well, they're still working outside of, you know, vacation time, there's still work happening. So, in your experience, you know, what's a really great way to balance keeping the kids busy and obviously maintaining your work responsibilities, but also as an adult, prioritizing time with your spouse? You know, I think this is a great question and, um, and, and it's very important. And I think, you know, a lot of times, especially, you know, when we're in transition in our careers or our businesses or things are not going well, we tend to first, because obviously we want to provide for our families, mothers and fathers, we count on others, we'll count on whether there's a uncle or aunt or a grandparent or after school program or a nursery. But frankly, we have to find ways to prioritize time in the summer for our children. No uncle or aunt, no matter how loving they are, can fully take the place of a mother or father. I know in tragic situations, there's people that do have to step in and completely applaud them. And I I have nothing but respect. But generally, one thing I've seen post-COVID, I know now we talk about a lot of things in, in context of covid there are many work and even entrepreneurial situations that can be a little bit more flexible. So for example, I know people who throughout the year, they maybe work Monday through Friday or Friday, they work until Juma. I'm talking about Muslims, obviously, like, and some even have to go back to work after the Friday prayer. But I know many people who during the summer, they say, look, they, they go to their uh, bosses or they look at their business and they say, look, I'll work Monday through Thursday. I'll take the Fridays off for the summer. It'll essentially make every single weekend of the summer, like a long weekend, I'll give more time to to my kids, to my wife, to my family. 
And I do actually think it's very important, even if you have children or whatever else, it is important still for the spouse, for the husband and wife to have their own time. Now, I know some people, even in my own city of Houston, they don't have extended family. So they can't, even once a year, they can't do, and they might not even feel comfortable to do a three-day getaway without their kids. Even if they had help, some people don't want to leave their kids with grandparents, uncles, aunts, anybody else. Totally get it. So I would say if nothing else, sometimes the kids go down to bed or they go down to bed a little earlier, make that a time for just you and your spouse where it could be time to catch up on things you haven't talked about. It could be just time to unwind, maybe enjoy something y'all do together or I think it's important or maybe meeting up with an old friend you've not seen for a while, another couple friend where she can catch up with, with her friend, with the wife, you can catch up with the brother. And I think that's very important because also one thing I see sometimes is when Muslim couples have their kids, everything becomes only about the kids. And then I think you lose that dynamic of the, the strong husband wife relationship. Like you have your relationship, but then everything becomes within the context of the kid and, or the kids. And, and that's, Obviously, you're losing something at the husband-wife level. So I, th- I think it's very important to prioritize. Jazakallah khair for that. I really appreciate all the wonderful points that you brought up. And yeah, summer holidays are just, it's a challenge for everybody, I think. And I think a valuable reminder too is to spend time as a family, just connecting over some form of ibadah. Whether it's listening to a short lecture, uh, Yaqeen recently put out their Dhikr series and they always are putting out a regular series. There's a lot of other scholars who are, you know, have regular halaqats, whether it's in your local masjid or in online. And families should just take a little bit of time daily or weekly to make this a part of their summer vacation schedule so that you don't lose that sense of Islamic studies is just another school subject or an extracurricular activity that's during the school year and not part of your daily life, not part of your daily routine. And I think too, for parents whose kids are perhaps not like full-time in a hifth program or in a madrasa, prioritize having a bit of time for Islamic studies and Quran. Just a little bit doesn't have to be super overwhelming but a little bit of daily Quran, actually, and make that a priority and figure out where that works in terms of your schedule. For some people, it'll be in the mornings. For some people, it'll be in the afternoon. And for some people, it will be in the evenings, right? And just make that a priority. You know, there's a, there's a saying in Arabic that I can't actually remember the uh, the Arabic wording for it, but essentially, don't make Quran... Uh, something that you squeeze in and you engage in your free time luxuriously, but make Quran the first thing that you prioritize and then you squeeze in some free time. Uh, And I think that's a really important principle to live by throughout the year, not just the school year. And it is really important for the parents to be involved in this. I think, again, when we have kids in madrasa or school and they see it as just another subject and they're not engaged with their parents during that that time that they're spent studying uh, Quran or Islamic studies, seeing their parents being actively engaged in it makes them realize that, yeah, this is part of our daily lives for everybody. And it doesn't end when you're a kid. It doesn't end when you graduate from school or from madrasa or whatever it is. So I just wanted to throw that in there. No, I really like that. Great reminder. And and honestly, I think the show also really relevant and hopefully hopefully some practical takeaways for the parents. And you know, we really appreciate the the listeners who are hopefully benefit from the programs as much as we do. Let me ask you a question before we leave. With all that we discussed, I know we still have at least a couple months of summer left. And you and Siraj obviously live in a very beautiful part of North America. Do you have any plans this summer uh, that you would share with the audience? 
Now, the funny thing is, one of the reasons I was thinking about doing this episode is because I don't really have any summer plans. Uh, alhamdulillah, my parents and I had already traveled with my daughter to Morocco a few weeks ago, so we kind of got that in early. But the rest of the summer is, for us anyways, we're actively engaged in madrasa, so there's that. It's a weekly, almost daily thing, so that our schedule kind of revolves around that. And outside of that, it's been just trying to think about, okay, how can we have some level of schedule and some level of flexibility? Still working on what our summer routine is going to be, but we want to make sure that we get that Quran in there. We want to make sure that there is, you know, wholesome crafting and paint nights that my daughter and I like to do together and going out for walks, going to the beach, but an isolated one. <laughs> and just, yeah, squeezing in those, those wholesome family activities, really just spending a lot of time with family is our primary thing. How about you? What are your summer plans? That is awesome. No, so I would say that obviously I have two elder kids in high school who are teenagers and then, a, then now an 11-year-old, but then we have a baby. So a lot of the summer has just been kind of catching up on stuff around the house, like those old projects that you would kind of put off. We, we our Older kids are in some Islamic studies programs for the summer. And then this July, we have both uh, Mifta Institute is coming to town with the Wahid brothers. And then Tamia Zubair, I know my daughter and son are both really excited about her. She has a, a conference at the end of July. But one thing we are going to try to do, and inshallah, the baby does okay on the flight. We are going to do one week, inshallah, in San Diego in the first week of August. That's our only travel for the summer. But other than that, just, you know, trying to stay kind of active and engaged in the community. And uh, but, you know, definitely going to try to take some of the tips from the show today and uh, and, you know, make the summer as impactful as we can. For sure. For sure. Inshallah. May Allah grant us barakah and all this free time for ourselves and our kids. And I really hope that the listeners benefited from this conversation as much as I did. And that it is something that people can uh, keep in the back of their minds as they figure out their summer plans. Absolutely. All right, so Jazakallah Khair to you, Ertaza, for joining me for this conversation. And to our listeners, please share your own tips and your own suggestions for how you plan on spending your summer. And we'll see you next time on the Muslim Matters Podcast. Jazakallah Khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hey, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us online on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram on our handle, Muslim Matters. And check out our site daily at muslimmatters.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.